episode 27. I'm your host as usual, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive at iPool Rank. Uh, today we have a special, special guest joining us today. And before I go into the introductions and we go into the, you know, the goal of the podcast today, I just want to, you know, say rest in peace to Hamlet Batista. Um, the SEO community lost a, a, one of our best and brightest. You know, I've had opportunity to meet, you know, Hamlet many times and, you know, unfortunately we lost him yesterday. And I just want to dedicate this episode to his family, his loved ones himself and, um, you know, rest in peace, brother. So, you know, pleasure meeting you. But, um, uh, and plus, if you want to support, you know, please go to RankSense, look at his product, his tools, his company, you know, that'd be a big way to support. But um, today, man, I, I've got a special, special guest. It's a, it's an honor to have you here. So as you, all got, as you guys all know, the restaurant industry has been severely impacted by COVID. And this gentleman created a platform that's taking aim at Grubhub, uh, Grubhub and other third-party delivery companies with their high commission fees. So essentially, the site connects restaurants with local consumers and have them opt into, you know, promotion details via text and emails and allows restaurants to connect with, directly with new consumers. So I want to, you know, introduce our special guest, co-founder, CEO of Spread, Andrew Wang. How, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no, no, thank you, man. Thank you. And for everybody watching at home, I, I, before we go into the story, I think it was that's a cool story to tell. Like me and Andrew actually connected. He actually emailed me, um, kind of giving more, you know, notoriety about the brand, you know, saying, hey, check out my new site. And then once I saw the site and saw the business, I was just like immediately, Andrew, can we have you on Rankable immediately? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, and he, he was gracious enough to join us. So it's a pleasure to have you. And I'm excited to learn about the brand. And um, let's just start at the top, man. I would love to start at the beginning. And, you know, if you could tell us a little bit more about your background and really what sparked the vision for Spread. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so prior to starting Spread, I was actually at Groupon. Um, I was uh, in their New York office. Um, I joined through an acquisition. They, they bought this startup called Saver that did restaurant reservations. Yeah, I remember um, that. And, yeah, and we were tasked with rolling out what was at the time called Groupon Reserve. Um, it was um, reservations with discounts based on what time you booked. Uh, but eventually our team kind of got rolled into building uh, marketing products for the general restaurant space. Uh, mm -hmm. So we had the reservation product, we had a kind of higher end um, Groupon offers product. And then the last thing we were tasked with building was um, Groupon to go, which was their mm -hmm. take on delivery and takeout. Um, and it was really cool. We got a chance to kind of really dive deep into the space, look at what other people were doing. Yeah. Um, we were obviously rolling it out in Chicago at the time. But the thing that stood out most to me, at least when we were doing the research, was all of these food delivery companies starting way back in, you know, I think Seamless. Um, there's a company before that's called Campus Foods. Um, yeah. in like 1998 was the first to kind of do online ordering. All at the same business model, which is we're going to take a commission on every order we pass to you. Yeah. Um, and when Groupon launched it, I was kind of excited to, you know, hopefully see them take a different approach, but same approach, you know, we'll, we're going to take a commission on every order we pass through. Um, and the idea was, you know, there has to be um, one company um, that at least tries a different business model approach to how food, um, you know, delivery works. Yeah. And, you know, when we were talking with restaurants like Groupon, you know, they already back then there was, you know, the, these complaints of these commissions, right? Um, but for like the general population, it wasn't, you know, you didn't really hear about it much, um, but it was always in the background, you know, restaurants like complaining about commissions. Uh, finally, you know, pandemic hits. Now a lot more people know about it, right? Um, there's a lot more articles, um, you know, about kind of, you know, how the business of, you know, when you, really a couple clicks on your app, place an order, what actually happens in the background. Yep. Um, and that, that was kind of our, our goal with spread, um, you know, uh, can we build 
uh, a food delivery uh, marketplace and, and business around you know commission free. No, that, that's amazing, man. So what what is I'm curious, like, was this something that was so obviously the idea was, you know, you came up with the idea pre pandemic, and it was just great timing from, you know, a business perspective, but like, but what is step one when, when developing a platform like like spread, right? Is, do you worry about the tech first? Do you worry about like, how does what is the process? Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's actually almost hard too hard to answer. Um, there's so many things I could go into it. I, I think you know, it's obviously starts with the idea and starts with just a little bit of like market validation. It can be as simple as talking to a couple of friends. We put a landing page out just to see if people would sign up. There's no product. Um, yeah. But, you know, ultimately, you know, when um, we decided, hey, you know, to do it properly, yeah. um, you know, I found my co-founder uh, who is um, um a developer, so on the technical end, so we're actually able to, you know, code the website, um, bring it to life, and then uh, with the marketplace marketplace business, it's always, you know, do you get the supply first or the demand first? Usually, uh, it's a little bit of both, and then you kind of like seesaw back and forth. Um, you know, for us, it's and for these food delivery businesses, it's usually the supply first. You get, you know, a yeah. handful of restaurants, you launch it, uh, you get a couple customers. As you get more customers, it's easier to sell the restaurants, and that's kind of the approach we've taken. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And I actually is a good segue to the next question, because, you know, of course, there's challenges starting any business, but like in your specific scenario, right, there's a need to increase awareness, not only restaurant owners, but also drive new consumers to utilize the app and make the purchases. Right. So w- which one would you say is more difficult to grow? Would it be, you know, building awareness to restaurant owners or consumers? And then what has been the most effective uh, method of used to scale? Um, yeah, so I would say traditionally for um, what people kind of call like SMB sales, like uh, yeah. selling to small, medium-sized businesses, um, that's the hardest part because um, yeah. people haven't really figured out a way to scale it necessarily. Because at the end of the day, you need to like call someone or email them and you know get them on the phone, give them a pitch, um, and close it. One cool thing, so I, I would say um, that has been you know the most challenging. Even though our product is actually pretty easy to sell, you still have to. Um, put in the work to like get that restaurant um, all set up. Yeah. Uh, but the cool thing about today versus um, when we were building this at Groupon is uh, there are companies now, um, and, and we consider them in like channel partnerships that yeah. allow us to scale the number of restaurants on our site a lot faster and without really a sales team. So there's companies like Ordermark or Checkmate or Charlie. These are companies that um, make money by integrating with all of these restaurant point of sales and take yeah. like a Grubhub order and put it into one tablet. Um, by integrating into those guys, um, you know, all of their restaurants that already use them now can be onboarded actually pretty quickly. Um, so that's something that we're leaning into a, a lot more. Um, and, you know, on the user end, we've set up the company um, so that, you know, it's really easy um, to, to grow by word of mouth, right? brand, the mission, um, we're definitely leaning into that. But early days for any business, it is a lot of just like hustle, right? Uh, You asked which channel actually works pretty well for us right now, just to get that, you know, the the, the ball rolling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of them is the cold email, how, you know, um, you know, we we got introduced, you know, we're literally cold emailing um, local office employees. um, And it's actually one of our better channels in terms of like cost um, and like return on investment. Totally. Because that's a great point, actually. So, like for me personally, as a salesperson, like I've seen that channel kind of de- de- declining. 
you know, because uh, we use like Zoom info and other stuff to prospect and we put our list and we go by industry and all that good stuff. But then what I've been seeing is a lot of bounce backs from emails, right? People are no longer at the company. They're moving here. So have you seen that on your end too? It has been like a high bounce rate or? Yeah, so it's it's both like an art and a science, uh, the, the cold emailing part. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, trying to get clean email lists um, is one part of it. But, yeah. uh, but the biggest part, I think, is, is the message you send in the email. Totally. Um, you know, we still once in a while get, you know, some pretty upset people, but like, like overwhelmingly, um, if people read, you know, what, what's in our email, like, oh, this is a pretty cool, uh, yeah. you know, uh, cold email. Like, <laughs> you know, we do a weird thing where most cold email that you probably receive is B2B cold email, right? Trying to yeah. sell like some kind of service. We're actually doing B2C cold email. We're, we're not emailing to sell some service to the company, uh, but we're just, um, we're using the, the company email as a way to verify, hey, they're probably in New York uh, area, which is our yeah. first market, which is like kind of interesting. Yeah, that's, that's that's amazing, man. And has you have you seen it like, have you seen the performance kind of skew a little bit now that, you know, most people are working from home? Has it increased? Like, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. So we get a lot of responses like that are um, like, love this mission. I'm outside of the city right now, but let me pass it to these two friends who I know still are in the city Gosh. but you know what one thing is probably for at least mm, the next couple of months people are still outside the city um, yeah of, uh, you know in the suburbs wherever it may be uh, people will return um, and you know when they do return um, you know it'll 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 work even better um, targeting totally. companies that are based in New York City yeah totally totally and then, now you mentioned um, you know a couple of minutes ago that um, setting up you know do restaurants and, and how did so many different points so like if I'm a business owner I can imagine there's a there's a lot of confusion right like so I've got some I've got a tool to help me with the point of sale and integration and you know my systems and all you know what have you then my digital marketing my website things like that like what is the process like to, to set up if I'm a restaurant in New York City you know how would I set up with spread yeah so um, the answer is there there are a lot of different ways that the restaurant set up the mm-hmm. most ideal one is if we are uh, integrated into your point of sale like they work with like an order mark or a chali yeah. um, then it's actually really simple the order comes in it goes right into your point of sale and generally a restaurant prints um, a ticket and then they execute the order oh that's um, amazing that's still pretty low penetration right now most restaurants aren't set up with those type of things so yeah. the classic ways they receive it are either by email um, by a tablet, like literally yeah. the order comes through, you've probably seen it at a restaurant. Uh, or uh, honestly, it's kind of funny when we, you know, spend so much time in technology, but one of the channels that probably works the most reliably is actually just fax. Um, because yeah. you, know, you can't miss, you know, this thing being printed in front of you. And then yeah. you can pass it to the kitchen actually pretty easily. Uh, so some restaurants still use fax to receive orders. Totally. And, but, and I'm curious too, like, because like we're marketers, I think of GA and all of these different, you know, like how, how do I validate it? Like, do they have a, what does their reporting look like? So I can see like, hey, I've gotten 40 sales from Grubhub. I've got 30 from Seamless. I've got 50 from Spread. Do they have something like that or a mechanism like that to, to segment the sales and see where, you know, where they should be investing? Yeah, so some of the point of sales have much better kind of reporting and analytics, um, but the the real question is whether the restaurant owners even know know it, yeah, or 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 have time. And and you know, for the most part, your mom and pop restaurants they're they're not downloading anything, right? They're they're not really um, looking at that type of data. Um, As you go um, up up like like a multi location restaurant, there's you know dedicated dedicated teams to look at that. Um, but you know, what we definitely uh, try to eventually, you know, the, the, 
where we envision restaurants approaching marketing is that um, even a small mom and pop restaurant um, will be able to kind of like take care of, you know, some of that uh, work for them in terms of analyzing what kind of data behind their orders. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I could imagine, like, I, I would recommend, so if there's any small business owner or mom and pop shop out there, right, I think the biggest thing, you know, if you've been, even if you've been in business for 20 years, right, it is 2021, everything is migrating to a digital platform. But I think everything, the biggest important thing you should be thinking of is what do I know about my customer? Right. How do I collect more information about my customer? Right. You may have the person who's been coming to you for 20 years. And, you know, that's John. He sits at this booth and does that. And that makes the experience much better for John. But how do you scale that across new consumers? Right. People who have come in once in a while. Right. So try to think of new creative ways to do that, because like that reporting is, is so crucial, because why would you spend 25, 30, 35 percent of your sale? to something that may not be generating a, a majority of it, right? Where as opposed to knowing your channels and knowing what's really working for you, especially in today's market, every dollar counts. You know, all revenue matters, right? Especially when you only have one stream of it right now, which is only being outdoor orders or yeah. online ordering. It's so tough. So so try to think that in mind once things do open up. Like, what are some things you could do to create or know more, collect more data about your, your, your users, right? Whether it be a coupon code, whether it be having fill out a survey, something, right? But just use that to your advantage and, and create a better experience. And the best experience, you know, that's going to get the person to come back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm curious, what, what is the what is the biggest challenge though? Like, because it's a great it's a great message, right? It's a great product, but how do you kind of break down the you know the consumer loyalty of people who've been going to Seamless and Grubhub and all these things for so many years? Like, what is the biggest challenge there? Uh, so the pitch on the consumer end um, at the beginning is pretty straightforward. The idea is, um, you know, by cutting out this, you know. 30% commission in the middle, the restaurant actually is happy to pass a little bit on to the customer. So if you go to the site, um, okay. a lot of restaurants lead with um, offers. And um, another thing that we will try to make more clear is that, you know, often, like I'd say 50% of the menus, if you're ordering on like a Grubhub or an Uber Eats, is actually just marked up already from, you know, if you went to the restaurant and called them yeah. directly. And that's the restaurants passing some of those fees on the consumers, but consumers don't really realize um, that it, being passed on to them in terms of um, higher um, prices. Yeah. Uh, but for sure on the consumer end, that's like one of the um, lead pitches. It's like, you're going to get a better offer, right? We, we don't think this is the perfect analogy, but like any good direct to the consumer brand, right? Like Casper mattresses or Warby yeah. Parker glasses. Um, the pitch is, hey, by cutting out these middlemen, you're actually getting a much cheaper price. And that's the same thing here. By cutting out the middlemen, yeah. consumers will ultimately um, benefit. Uh, but the second thing is, honestly, we, we've gotten so many customers that have asked us, um, can I just donate this offer back to the restaurant? I'm actually happy to use um, the service solely because yeah. um, it doesn't it doesn't help like a grub uptake, you know, from the restaurant. Uh, so those two factors are kind of what we lean into on the customer end. Um, but, you know, it's we're still super early. So, you know, every um, I don't think people realize how hard it is to acquire customers, right? Uh, it's not extremely like, hard. <laughs> That's what marketing is. <laughs> yeah, you see some big companies and, you know, they have huge teams dedicated to, you know, getting the flywheel going. They, it, it just becomes easier as you obviously gain a little bit of scale. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, early on, it's, you know, every customer that you're trying to, you know, even get just to sign up, it's not as easy as it seems, right? Like yeah. even something that's like, hey, why wouldn't you sign up for, you know, uh, sporting restaurants offers and things like that yeah 
that, that that makes a lot of sense. And then like from a consumer perspective, like what what can they do? I know you said like you know restaurants basically can give direct offers and coupon codes, things like that to to save money, right? But what can you do as a customer if I sign up to Spread right now? What can I do to like customize my experience? Is there a way to to limit how many promotions and things I receive in a week? Yeah, so right now um, we are still playing with a bunch of stuff. So right now our marketplace is where we are kind of focusing most of our uh, effort in terms of like uh -huh. improving it. But um, you know, like like a classic marketplace, consumers can basically browse, right? They can put in all these yeah. filters, location, uh, cuisines, dietary, um, and find restaurants they like. Uh, we still do basically um, uh, promotions by email, by text. Uh, we yeah. limit them on purpose right now. So at most you'll get one text, one email from us per week. Uh, but eventually as we build out the platform, uh, for sure the customer can choose like, hey, I actually want you know, three texts per week. Um, and I like these cuisines. Um, and you know, th these are the things I want. Um, and we're happy to basically ingest that data, right? And if a customer yeah. is happy to, you know, give us preferences, we're, we're happy to take that in and, you know, um, you know, put that into the product for them. That, that makes sense. And, I, and I'm assuming it's like a rotation, right? You wouldn't be sending the, like, say if I like um, barbecue food, like one week you might send me to, you know, uh, what, the Dallas BBQs and the next week you'll send me to another spot. Like, does that how it works? Does it rotate that's, in a manner? That's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Okay, got it. Got it. That makes complete sense. And then, you know, especially with COVID going on, like, what, what was what was the experience like? I know this is, it's, a, it's an early brand, but what was the brand, what, would the, what did the brand look like pre, you know, pre-COVID? And then what do you think the restaurant industry is going to look like post-vaccination? And what, will it, what kind of impact will it have on spread? Yeah, so we were still in the building phase uh, when it hit. So we were kind of heads down, like, you know, coding and, and adding restaurants. Obviously, um, on the restaurant end, you know, the tough part was, you know, signing up for another service is probably the last thing in your mind when you're just trying yeah. to figure out what serve indoors and serve outdoors so there's definitely um you know it's tough on that end um yeah but at the same time you know um the takeout as a business um you know so many restaurants didn't really need a takeout business right if you had a strong sit-down business but yeah. you know when pandemic hits you know they, they figure you know we have to learn how to do this business and even after um, you know, indoor dining comes back, they'll have this muscle, right? Which is how do I operate a delivery takeout business that they're not going to just throw away, right? Once they've done the yeah. hard work of figuring out how it works, that's a new revenue stream. So they'll keep it um, in terms of, you know, where we see the, the restaurant uh, industry after, you know, vaccinations, you know, we, yeah. we, we hope it returns right back to normal. I, I think there's um, a, a good chance that it actually, um, you know, becomes even better. Uh, people are kind of itching to go eat out yeah. at restaurants. Um, but I think there are, you know, this psychological hurdle of, you know, people feeling comfortable eating at restaurants as yeah. well as, you know, uh, no one knows what the um, kind of um, like state and city laws will be, you know, yeah. as they decide how, how, you know, when we should open and when we shouldn't. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But once we get to that herd immunization, uh, it's going to be Oh, I know that it's gonna explode because I, I I'm itching to go get a burger and a steak. And <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah. have to do it comfortably. That would be amazing. But um, like this, like especially like for for COVID, like I think the silver lining um of the whole pandemic, especially for the restaurant industry, is that it basically accelerated the need for digital. I think that was the one industry, right? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just no, no, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say one industry like that was just lagging behind in terms of that, right? If I, like you said, if I had a strong sit down game, 
I just put it to the back burner. Like when people come to me like, hey, I need this new service or this new thing. I don't really need you because this is generating 80% of my business or 70, 65, whatever the case may be, right? Now it's like, oh no. And the ones that adapted, you know, really well are always gonna have that. It's always gonna help the business. So that's the silver lining to it, but it's just messed up of, you know, I really don't like the laws and stuff like that, to be honest with you. I don't like that. Um, like you close, you have to close the restaurant at 10 o'clock. Like that law in New York City, I just think it's so ridiculous because COVID's still out here at eight o'clock. Anytime I want to go get some milk. It just, yeah, I just feel it's bad if, you know, for people who business owners who invested all of their, their earnings, their, their life savings into an idea became successful. And then that could be jeopardized for something outside of their control. Yeah, it's tough business. Yeah, really, really tough, man. Really tough. But um, I, w- I would like to, you know, hear from anybody in the crowd, anybody who's watching. If you guys have a question, you know, please, please fill the chat in. I know we're in stream, StreamYard. This is a new platform for us, so we're all getting used to it. But um, if not, we'd love to know, do a speed round. But, like, what if you had to choose a spokesperson for your brand, right, like, who would you pick and why? If you had one influencer that you could pick, regardless of budget, who would that be? Uh, I mean, regardless of budget, I, one person that, you know, we, uh, I, I've always admired and, you know, in, in the restaurant space for us would be uh, Danny Meyer, uh, like Green Square Hospitality. Um, so, you know, I, I, I went to school in New York, uh, New York City, and, you know, got to eat at a bunch of his restaurants, like even Shake Shack when, you know, it was just, just the one location. Yeah. And he has this really interesting philosophy of, you know, a restaurant business. Yes, you have um, the food. Yes, you have like business behind it, but it's really the hospitality industry. Experience. Um, and we, it's still early days, but we tried to add that philosophy to when we build it because, you know, when, you, when you're in person, it's really easy to show hospitality in person, right? Um, yeah. As a restaurant, but online, it's actually a lot tougher. Like how, how do you, um, you know, bring hospitality to an online ordering experience? Um, yeah. And that's something we think about a lot, but, you know, I think Danny Meyer is probably like the, the best, um, you know, one, one of the most respected, like, um, you know, figures in, in the restaurant space for what he's been able to do and how, how he runs a, a restaurant business, which is you know, ultimately great hospitality. Yeah. And, and to piggyback off what you just said, I think how you do that digitally, I think it should be creating a frictionless sale. I think how do we how do we make a seamless transaction? Like, how do we get the consumers what they want, when they want it? How do we have content geared up in a way that answers their questions without having to get, you know, Jared on the line or something like that? You know what I mean? Or, or whatever the case may be. I think that's really how you do it. Hospitality is knowing your audience, and which goes back to our earlier point, make sure you collect those data points and how incorporate that. Make make messaging personalized. You know, people. People want to be sold, not not sold to, but it's like they want everything just easy and kind of handed to us. I see the ad. Oh, oh damn! I just ate at Dallas BBQs yesterday. And this, like, let me order. Oh, yep, I'm hungry right now. And whatever the case may be, so I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, what's what's your favorite New York City restaurant? Oh man, there's so many, and it, when people ask me this, it's tough. It, usually, when I, I say how many dollar signs right on Yelp, like because there's like categories, but one of yeah. my absolute favorites. Um, is this kind of hole in the wall Japanese restaurant in the East Village called Ichibante. And mm-hmm. uh, they do Japanese comfort food, but they have this really cool vibe. It, and at one point it was basically just a bar and a couple of seats, but they play like reggae music. And yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a really interesting clash of like Japanese and reggae music, but the food is like so good. It's like Japanese yeah. comfort foods. So it's not like, 
it's not like sushi and stuff like that. It's like um, they have like ramens, but the thing that we always get is uh, this like chicken naan bun. It's like fried chicken with like this sauce on top. That's like really, really yeah. good. Oh man, now now because I didn't eat lunch yet, so <laughs> that sounded amazing. Um, I actually had a. It's funny you said that because I actually had a spot that I used to love. They actually closed down, unfortunately, but it was on Thirty Seventh Street called Ginger's, a very similar place. Mm. Uh, you might have been there, but it was like a very small, kind of looks like like a hole in a wall. The food was amazing. The the vibe was amazing. And they had these Long Island iced teas for like three bucks. You get <laughs> you get three of those. You're on the train wobbly, and it was like. It was amazing. Shout out to Ginger's. And uh, <laughs> I would say, what's my favorite restaurant? Um, ooh, that's a tough one, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. That's a tough one. I've got so many, man. But um, And I'm curious, too, like, what, what's the best business advice you've ever received and why? Like, what was something that you've implemented that was like somebody told you and it just it just sparked a light bulb? Um, you know, one that I got that I liked a lot, that I, I think about a lot, um, was just for an early stage, any type of early stage business, um, I think it's easy to get um, like discouraged because, you know, it, it, it yeah. seems like the, the world, like like there's so many things to do and you're like, this <laughs> too. Um, but um, one, uh, one of our uh, um, early investors told us that, you know, in the business world, um, there's few things that come as close to like creating art um, then trying to build a seed stage company. It's one of the coolest things that you can do because, you know, at a big company, yes, you can make changes, you can do stuff, but um, it, it moves a lot slower, right? Um, yeah. Like building a seed stage company, you can actually, you know, decide how you exactly want to craft it. Um, and, you know, just knowing that in the background, okay, you know, at the end of the day, uh, at least you get to do this cool thing. And, and you know, it definitely helps, um, you know, in terms of um, kind of motivation to just like, you know, keep yeah. going. Yeah, and and I'm curious too. What, like, what's the VC process look like? Look like, right? Like, I, I would be. I'm a I'm a seller, so I'm I'm kind of comfortable with that. But I would be so mad, you know, if somebody was to say no or something like that and be discouraged, right? So how do you deal with that? I'm not sure if that's happened in, in your case, but you know, I'm pretty sure you're you're pitching a multiple, you know, VCs and to get the funding. And somebody's probably said, "Hey, I get it, but maybe not right now or whatever." Like, how do you keep focused, man? Yeah, no, I mean, we, so we, we literally kicked off um, funding, fundraising for our seed round on Monday. So this week, it's just been, you know, oh, cool. most of my days have been just like back-to-back meetings. And um, it's like my, my, my wife will probably tell you, like, it, <laughs> all it takes is one and not even a bad um, inter, uh, meeting, but one comment here and there, because the company is kind of like your baby, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And, and one comment here and there, and you could just become so so drained right, and demoralized. But, you know, the opposite can happen too, right? You have a meeting where it seems like it's clicking. They're asking really great questions. It seems like they get it. And like yeah. you finish it, you just feel like super energized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like, it's crazy swings um, from, you know, one meeting to the other. But, yeah, I could imagine, man. That's, that's amazing, man. And then another thing too, because I'll be honest with you, like I'm kind of struggling with it too, because I, you know, obviously I, I do sales. You know, we do the podcast, we do a lot of things, you know, out, outside of you know the regular nine to five. I'm constantly creating content and things like that. So how do you how do you prioritize certain items, and how do you you know how do you manage your time? That like, what, what I advice think, would you give for that? That I think is probably like the most important thing. And I don't have a great answer. I have a whiteboard here that every day I try to reprioritize stuff. Um, yeah. But honestly, I think if you can put in a system to 
think about what will have the most impact on your business like uh, today or this week or this month. And the better you can prioritize it, it will be like the better your company is run because ultimately you only have like a finite amount of like hours in a day to do something. Yeah. Um, and if you're focusing on like the wrong things, even if, you know, like something comes in, you, you know, we get a request from a customer to fix this thing on the site and yes. it's a very reasonable um, feedback, right? Maybe something designed that I completely agree with. Um, but then it's like, oh, do we fix that now? Does that uh, impact enough customers? And there's like a million yeah. things like kind of on the back burner that um, it feels bad because it's like it grows um, and I know that it should be fixed and I know it should be this way. Um, but like being ruthlessly like um, like uh, efficient with how you prioritize, like, okay, fine, we'll, we'll get this done, but um, we need to do X, Y, and Z first. Yeah, yeah, you're better than me. Still, somebody with a customer would say <laughs> it's really tough, especially on the customer end. When, right? Like, when they give a good piece of feedback, you almost want to just like drop everything and fix it right that moment. Totally. <laughs> I totally get that. I mean, I, I don't know. I would assume they was, oh, sorry, I'm working on the changing the code now. Now, <laughs> order. <laughs> but man, I, I know we're coming up, man. Oh, it's actually 159, man. I just want to say thank you again, Andrew. Like, it's a pleasure learning from you. You know, I wish you and, you know, the entire company best of luck. I think this is a great mission. Um, you know, I hope more restaurants, you know, join on and, and can't wait to see you guys grow and explode to, you know, to what the vision is. So I thank you again, brother, for taking the time. And it's been a pleasure. Perfect. Really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me on. Of course, of course. And everybody, thank you again, guys. This is episode 27. We, we couldn't do it without the support and all the comments, the feedback, all that good stuff on social media. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll see you back next week for rec episode 28. But uh, thank you again, guys. And uh, see you again, Andy. Let's definitely keep in touch, brother. Sounds good. All right. Take care.